This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, there was some talk this past week about traffic congestion. That's nothing new. But in particular, looking at traffic congestion and how much of that is caused by parents driving their children to and from school. Mike Klassen in the Vancouver Courier wrote about this and cited a study that was done in Greater Toronto. But my guess is the numbers likely ring true in Metro Vancouver as well. It found that the number of children and teenagers walking or biking to school has declined to the point that school travel is now responsible for 20% of the peak morning gridlock in that region. It also found that 39% of 11 to 13-year-olds walked to school in 2011 compared to 56% in 1918. 86. Well, joining me to talk a bit more about this is Patty Backus. She's a former Vancouver School Board trustee, and she's now the Georgia Strait K-12 columnist. Patty, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me on, Jill. Uh, any surprise in the numbers of how many kids are being driven to and from school? Uh, not really. This this really kind of um, correlates with the kind of trends that we see in Vancouver and certainly in my years on the school board and, and my years as a parent with kids in the school system that uh, it it does seem certainly compared to when I was a kid walking to school with my sisters uh, that far more parents do drive their children to school. And to the point where, and Mike Klassen wrote about this, he had noticed that during the school break, he was getting places early. He was arriving, uh, if not on time, ahead of time because of a lack of this congestion. Um, how much of, is it, of an issue is it, do you think? Because I would imagine this almost or does make things a bit more dangerous, having that kind of congestion around schools. Sure. I've often said that probably the one of the biggest safety risks to kids is other parents driving their kids to school. And I've even heard parents say they drive their kids because they're concerned about the traffic congestion and traffic safety around the school. So uh, we become part of the problem by trying to protect our children from the problem. How much of it is to, and I know you've tweeted about this, the idea that kids often, or in many cases, don't go to schools in their catchment. They go to a school that might or very likely is out of walking distance or even cycling distance. Well, I think that's a really key factor. And I think some of the increases that have been observed and certainly that are probably showing up in this Toronto study and I think similar patterns in Vancouver is the increase in in, uh, the number of kids being driven to school I suspect has a correlation. I don't have hard data to prove this, but I've, what I've observed is that on, on a school board is that as there is an increase in uh, government policy decisions and school board policy decisions that encourage and increase options for choice for schools. So we've seen um, back in 2002 in BC, the legislation was amended around the School Act. Prior to that, you pretty well had to go to your neighborhood school. You had a catchment area that you would live in, and that was the expectation. If you wanted to travel out of your catchment to a different school in the public system, you'd have to get permission from the principal at your school to be what they called released, and then get permission to be accepted, and that wasn't always granted. In 2002, the provincial government changed the legislation to enable parents to uh, opt to send their child to any school they wanted as long as there was space available. So they have to go through a cross-boundary application process. But many, many do. Uh, up to, I think, at the high school level, when we looked at the data years ago, it was up to over, well, I think it was close to 40% of kids were actually going to schools outside of their catchment areas. So that was one piece. A second piece was a real push toward uh, more school choice and more program options and really bringing in almost a competition model between schools. 
So we've seen a growth in things like mini schools, uh, French immersion, Mandarin bilingual, Montessori, a whole range of programs that we certainly felt pressured uh, from government and from parents when I was on the school board to increase those options. And parents really look for those when they're choosing school. I would say more so now than when my kids started, which was around 1999 in the system, that we just went to the neighborhood school. That was just my assumptions, what you did. But now we see parents in a much more kind of shopping around for programs, and often that means they're going to have to drive their kids to get there. And how much of it is, do you think, too, a safety issue? Parents just aren't comfortable letting their kids walk to school on their own. Well, I think that's true. And I, you know, when I think when I went to school, I had older siblings that I would follow to school. So it was a built-in buddy system. And and you'll hear that often that they do recommend. I mean, we've had some unfortunate incidents that get a lot of media attention. And police will often even say, like, don't walk alone, walk with a buddy. There isn't always a buddy available now. Lots of kids are only children, or maybe there's, you know, one or two children. So you don't necessarily have that built-in safety factor of having some a brother or sister to walk to school with. And again, if you're going a further distance um, than, than just the neighborhood school, that's, that's not going to be practical. And we don't have a bus pass system that's, that's subsidized for school kids. I would say that might be a, a help when they get a bit older. If, um, if you could get on a bus for free, I took a bus to my high school growing up in Vancouver. It wasn't within walking distance. Um, so there are other other factors that I think feed into this other than just parents being overly protective or helicopter parents is what how it often gets portrayed. Right. And, and, and when you talk to, we, we had the very uh, high profile case of a gentleman who had taught his kids how to ride transit. And then there was a complaint. Uh, somebody thought that the kids were too young and questioned his choices. And he had to stop doing that. Yeah, that was, seemed really absurd to me, and I hope that was a one-off and it was a, a case of bad judgment. That just, I hope that's not any kind of policy at the Ministry of Children and Families. I mean, to, to me, that's what we want to be doing. We want to be teaching our kids how to move around the city safely and appropriately using public transit, using walking. I think statistically we know the biggest threat, the biggest danger to kids uh, is motor vehicles, whether they get hit by one or, or in an accident in it. All the statistics will tell us that is the biggest threat. It's not a stranger on a bus or something like that. So I, we do need to be, as a, as a society, we need to understand what the actual risks are. And I would say motor vehicles are probably the most biggest threat to kids' safety on their way to school. And so I would imagine then it would make sense if there weren't as many cars, especially crowded around the school, dropping kids off, that would help alleviate that. Uh, But isn't it also teaching kids uh, to being active and riding a bike or walking to school? Uh, You get the benefit, too, of that physical activity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, walking to school, riding a bike to school, those are fantastic things, and we want to encourage that. I would say learning to use public transit is a really important uh, factor as well. But what, what I'm interested in as a, as a former school trustee and as an education columnist is what are the public policy answers to this? Are there things that we can be doing that make that safer through public policy? And I think one of the things we really need to look at is do we need to be looking at a return to really supporting neighborhood schools, particularly the elementary level that have a rich range of program options 
and that are safe and that are welcoming and that are inclusive so that, that family's first choice is that neighborhood school. If you have 30 or 40 percent of families going to schools outside of their catchment, you're going to have traffic no matter, no matter what. If they're going across the city, it's not going to be practical to walk or ride a bike if you're seven years old. If you go to the neighborhood school, and Vancouver is very fortunate in that the way it's laid out, every single, every single home in Vancouver is within walking distance of an elementary school, and it was well designed that way. But what we've seen through various policy choices over the years is that um, neighborhood schools have lost a lot of programs that, that uh, were available when I was young. We had a band program when I was young. We had good, a dedicated PE teacher. We had all of those things through series of cuts over several years, and I won't get into the partisan nature of that, but there are political decisions that have been made that have made people feel they need to look for options. If they want a good music program, they're going to have to travel to a school that's known for that. If they want a good language instruction, they may want to go to an immersion school. I think we need to rethink whether that's uh, whether the downsides of that are outweighing the positives. It's a, it's a tough thing to take choice away, but if we improve what's available locally in every school, that may make the local school a more attractive option. And I think that would be the first place I would be looking. Uh, the secondly is, is improved transit. Um, if you have parents who are driving to work, they often are looking for schools as well with uh, after-school care. That's one of the things we hear from schools that is one on top on parents' list when they're looking for kindergarten is they go where the child care is. And if we get get somewhere with our child care program that's been promised, and particularly before and after school care for working parents, if you have that available in every neighborhood school, that's going to be an attraction for parents to, to drop their kids at that or let them walk to that on their own. Uh, whereas now parents really have to hunt and take it where it's available. So the choice of school is often tied into where there's child care, and that often means they have they drop their child on the way to work and pick them up on the way home because it just is part of you know how it fits into modern lifestyles. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, Patty, we're out of time. I'll have to leave it there. Uh, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.